0: Are you listening? 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 listening? Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to the Are You Listening podcast, podcast where two friends trade off giving each other a record that the other hasn't heard, and then we come back here and we talk about it. I am Brand. I'm the co-host. I'm here with my friend Scott. Scott, how are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you today? Good to hear. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about uh, a certain universe that may or may not have scum dogs in it. Uh, we're, here, <laughs> we're here to talk about Guar's album, Scum Dogs of the Universe. Before we get into it, I want to know from you. What did you know? What was your prior knowledge of Guar? Empire Records. That was basically it. <laughs> okay. Uh, they, they made an appearance in that movie for all of like 10 seconds while Mark was high on brownies, I think. Or no, he was on a sugar high. Was it weed brownies? Oh, shit. I can't remember now. Well, other than that, you, listening to metal, listening to punk, and things like that, Guar is in that universe. Like they've yeah. always been somewhere there. So you had to have at least been aware of them. They, I yes, I've I've been aware of them, but you know how I keep saying I hate the the over the top masks and face paint and oh, yeah. shit that just doesn't work with what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, I think I they fall into that category for me previously. All right, that's interesting because every time we talk about that Guar never pops in my mind. Guar nope. has a very specific different situation in my head where they are a stage show. It's not yeah. like like and to me, at least well, you're not listening to them so it wouldn't it would make sense, but to me, yeah. their their music matched what I was seeing. So it right. worked for me. Right. But I'll dive into the history here of Guar. Please do it. where you feel necessary and then sure. we'll get into this thing heavy. Heavy. Guar is an American heavy metal band from Richmond, Virginia. From Virginia. I did not see that coming at from all. From Virginia. Yeah, no, I pictured like L.A., Vegas. Someplace with show business. Yeah, yeah. Show business related, yeah. Yeah, yeah not Richmond, Virginia. You know, the not- cultural hub of show business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Formed in 1984. Wow. The band is a result of two separate projects merged into one. Okay, that's interesting. So Dave Brockie yep. was the vocalist and bassist for the punk band Death Piggy. Death Death Piggy. They, that band staged like mini plays and they used crude props to punctuate their music. Like whether it just be like a saw or a hammer or something. But okay. they, it wasn't like what Guar is. They were a punk band with a stage show. Yes. Gotcha. So then stay with me for a second to continue to figure out what the second project is, because there's, oh, no. it's a little it's a little convoluted, but we'll get there. Gotcha. So there's a deserted bottling plant taken over by hippies in Richmond. <laughs> okay. It was called the Richmond Dairy. And I guess the hippies would rent out rooms or areas for shows and things like that, which sounds wild to me. Capitalistic hippies sounds like a really weird situation. That seems seems wrong, but I'm with you. But in the Richmond Dairy is where Death Piggy met Hunter Jackson, Techno Destructo, and Chuck Varga, Sexecutioner, both of whom were attendees of Virginia Commonwealth University who had set up, quote unquote, the Slave Pit. The Slave Pit was a production space for Scum Dogs of the Universe, a movie that they intended to make. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it was Jackson, Hunter Jackson, who they met at Richmond Dairy, who made, who created props for Death Piggy to use on stage. So he was kind okay, of so a guy that was already involved with the... The making of the movie, Scum Dogs of the Universe. But he was making props for the band. He was making props for Death Piggy, yes. Okay. That's where they met. So that's kind of how they got together. Gotcha. And then Brocky had an idea to use the costumes made for the movie and have Death Piggy open for itself as a barbaric band from Antarctica playing nonsense songs while sacrificing fake animals. (laughs) So he was basically like putting Guar together to open for Death Piggy. Yeah, he and he was like double booking himself. He was, yeah, yeah. I like it. So the name of the joke group initially was GWA. <laughs> <laughs> it was just just annoying G- guttural muscle. No, I'll spell it for you. G-W-A-A-R-R-G-G-H-H-L-L-L-G-H. <laughs> wow. That was Whoa. the original. That was that was who was opening for Death Piggy. <laughs> However, members of Death Piggy began to notice that more people were coming to see the opener and then yeah. leaving immediately after. Yeah, they're like, fuck Death Piggy. Like, this other band is crazy and better. So, after several refinements, including shortening the band's name to just Guar, so Death Piggy phased out, enter Guar. So, this is kind of Got where Guar is created. I feel kind of bad for Death Piggy. I mean, well, it sounds like Death Piggy is the same band. It just. Right. But, like, what if they were, like, more serious songs? Yeah, it, but but Dave Brocky was the head of both, so yeah, whatever he I wanted to do, he did. Yeah. I kind of want to look, like, does do you know if Death Piggy has anything no out there? I have no clue. I wonder if they do. I kind of want to hear something. I would imagine there's at least probably some Death Piggy tracks yeah. that Dave Brocky covered with his own, like, on his own projects, maybe. Okay. If there's no Death Piggy out there, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. I'm curious so, about that, though. So, the band Guar is composed and operated by a frequently rotating lineup of musicians, artists, and filmmakers, collectively known as Slave Pit Inc. Wow, okay so it it's a business The it's, band yeah, is a business just, they, yeah. they are a studio they're it, they're kind of just the are they the first multimedia group back in eighty four like yeah. it's they're essentially a YouTube channel. In, 19, in 1990. Like. <laughs> the early version of YouTube. So the the, the band put their debut album, Hell O, oh, a crossover thrash metal punk rock album, in 1988. Okay, so 88 was their first record. What record their is first this? Record. This is their second record. So probably not too far off from their first one, I would imagine. After they created their first one, after they dropped it in 1988, I think they dropped it on their, like, independently, they got signed to Metal Blade. Oh, okay. So, Scumdogs Universe is the second album by Guar and the first album on Metal Blade Records. As the title implies, it is a concept album about their reign of terror on planet Earth. Yeah, I <laughs> I caught that. So, did they ever make that movie? I don't believe so. I, be, I believe okay. Scum Dogs was the movie. They just it into... Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, I believe that the album, like, all the effort that was going to make the movie made the album i think like they put all the stories and everything in it It, all right i guess maybe there's a scum dogs movie out there as i've said prior about guar even though i love this record guar was kind of a one record and done for me Like i I got what i wanted and i'm good yeah okay but i have to read you the personnel for this record because their names are so great and i may i may mess some of them up because they are a little wildly named but i'm gonna try my best oh for sure so the person on this, Dave Brocky, Odorous yep. Orungus, as he yep. goes by, Odorous Orungus, lead did vocals. I think he was on like a, a talk show once that I might have seen. That, that checks out. It sounds yeah. right. Yeah, Yeah, I think right. I, 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 I might have seen something like that. But yeah, I got it. He did lead vocals and played bass on Cold Place to Park. Dewey Rowell, Flatus Maximus, <laughs> lead guitar and backing vocals. Mike Dirks, Balsack, The Jaws of Death. Wow. Rhythm guitar and backing vocals on Cool Place to Park. Michael Bishop, who is Beefcake the Mighty, bass, backing vocals, and lead vocals on Cool Place to Park. Brad Roberts, Jizmac Degusha. What? <laughs> <is, laughs> plays, plays drums. <laughs> Danielle Stamp, Slamenstra Hyman. Wow. Backing vocals. Okay. Chuck Varga, Sex executioner, does vocals on Sex executioner. Okay. And Don Dracolic, Sleazy P Martini, does the vocals on Slaughterama. Gotcha. So in 2016, Scum Dogs of the Universe was ranked number 90 on Loudwire's top 90 hard rock and metal albums (laughs) of the 90s. (laughs) I felt like that needed to be thrown in there. That's great. Number 90 in the top 90. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, they made it. It's real weird. It's real weird. Who makes a 90? Throw 10 more records. 10 more. I'm sure there was 10 more made. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. So Scum Dogs was released January 8th, 1990. Oh, wow. Right out of the 80s and Gwar is here. Wow. I love that. I really, really love that fact. I think that's hilarious. I think it's hilarious when we get a sense of when this album came out, what else was coming out, where we're at. So let's get into okay. that. Yeah, other, albums, other albums released January 1990. January 1st, we have the album Unfun by Jawbreaker. Yeah, I'd love that record. You've never heard <laughs> Jawbreaker, have you? No. I no, yeah, they're on the list for you. I love that record. This yeah. record and Jawbreaker and came out Jawbreaker. a week apart. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> that's so crazy. Also, January first, Chumbawamba's "Slap." I, d- I the only thing I know from that band is "Tub Thumping." And <laughs> that's I all everybody it. knows. That's all everybody knows. Also, January first, we have John Denver's "No oh, Jesus Earth Songs." okay yep yeah january 15th we have the album flood by they might be giants oh yeah love those dudes do you never, have any experience never with never them never no enough. oh even that record's really good i know the name but that's it. yeah just because you know they might be giants let me do a little bit of diving into that because i have a i have some experience with a couple of their records and i'm not sure which songs are on which records Okay. But there there's some that I really, really love that might be fun too. January 16th, the album Pale by Toad the Wet Sprocket. I, oh man, I always <laughs> feel like I know Toad the Wet Sprocket. And then I realize I don't know anything by that band at all. There's one song you know. They had one hit. I can't remember what it is, but they had a big hit. Probably, but I'd, off the top of my head, I don't know it. January 16th, Joan Jett's The Hit List. There she is first time we've seen her you, yeah. you say pop it up. you said there she is as if we see her every episode first time. first time first time she's ever been mentioned but i love her how can you not january 24th the black crows shake your money maker is it was that the big one i have no idea yeah i, I thought the big one was later but i could be wrong it might be i don't know i know like two songs from that band january 25th this was considered like one of the most popular of the time, and I have no idea what this is, so you might. It is the okay. album 1990 by Daniel Johnston. No idea. No. It was no. weird. It was it was it was considered one of the like the most popular of the time. I don't know. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. January 30th, last album I have here released. Earth Wind and Fire with Heritage. Yeah. Nice. So Guar and Earthwind <laughs> and Fire. <laughs> Same put out a record. Pretty insane. That's nuts. It's about to get crazier because let's get into the billboard charts here. Yes, let's do it. Billboard Hot 100, week of January 12th, 1990. So, Guar's out right now. They're out. Yeah. Guar's out. And this is what's going on in the (laughs) The rest of the world. Number five Don't Know Much by Linda Rodstadt featuring Aaron Neville. Yeah, I know that song. I do. Don't know how much. But I know I love you, and that may be all I need to know. I got nothing. I got nothing. Nothing that that doesn't ring a bell at all. Oof. No. At least not the way you sang it. I don't know. Maybe. No, that's legit how it sounds. It's 100% accurate. Then nothing (laughs) Now I want you to try to sing the rest of these is what I really want. Oh, Oh, shit. Number four. How am I supposed to love without you? Michael Bolton. Does he even sing? Isn't Michael, Michael Bolton just an instrumentalist? No, I'm pretty sure Michael Bolton sings sing. Does he? Oh, God. He gets it. Like, gets it. He goes yeah. in all the way. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, I don't know that one. My bad. All right. Number three, Pump Up the Jam. Technotronic featuring Belly. Oh, pump, pump it up <laughs> while your feet are stomping. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Number two, Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson. I mean, I know it. I, I can't sing it, though. I, I can't pick the the lyrics out. Number one song from the billboard hall 100 january 12th, 1990 another day in paradise by phil collins i can pull it give me a second <laughs> no i can't i don't got it okay damn it see those were all kind of those were all kind of obscure for me so i wanted to go on the charts and see what else was on the charts that is highly right. recognizable it, yeah yeah so check some of these out and just remember <laughs> with scum dogs of the universe the record exists yeah. in this world right the world we live in, while these songs are on the charts. Love it. At number eight, we have Just Like Jesse James by Cher. Okay. At number 13, Free Fallen, Tom Petty. I love that song. Like, who doesn't love that song? That song's, like, amazing. At number 20, Janie's Got a Gun by Aerosmith. Wow, okay. Yep. And at number 57, this one might be the the biggest opposite song. The <laughs> B-52s with Rome. Guar. And Rome. And yeah, Rome, the same time. So Sexecutioner and Rome <laughs> both exist in both, the same space right both now. Both existing. Both yeah. existing. So Billboard 200, here we go. Albums that we're selling. Sure. For some reason, though, it's week of January 13th. I don't know if they put the albums chart out a week later or a day later back I mean, then. I don't know. Charts back in the day were wild because. Uh, <laughs> like, even, even, like, releases. Were wild because they weren't all like on the same day every week. Yeah. Like records just came out whenever the fuck they wanted to put them out. So, number five, Forever Your Girl, Paul Abdul. Okay. Number that's, four, man, this is number crazy. Four, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, 1814, yep. Janet Jackson. Got it. Number three, Stormfront, Billy Joel. Yeah, that's the uh, We Didn't Start the Fire record. And he just won't quit talking about that fire and how he didn't start it. Hey number 2 but seriously Phil Collins yep and number 1 girl you know it's true Millie Vanilli <laughs> girl you know it's true Millie Vanilli <laughs> in the Billboard 200 yeah, When that releases their second one yeah a couple more in here just to throw around at number 12 we have stone cold ryman by young mc okay at number 13 we have doctor feel good by Molly Crue. yeah that's i think the, uh, one of two Motley Crue records that I enjoy at all, and then here is the opposite one I have for you that oh, no. needed needed to be put on here. So Guar Guar second record, yeah, Scumbags of the Universe, Sex yeah. Usher, Slaughterama, Black and Huge, you know the big ones. Little Mermaid soundtrack <laughs> at number sixty one. The <laughs> Little Mermaid soundtrack. Ariel Ariel is singing about legs under the sea and <laughs> is clipping his claws together, and Guar is just bleeding on the front row of a crowd somewhere. Oh my god. So, Scott, that's all I have for the buildup of this record. I'm really <laughs> excited to get into it. I'm very excited to get into it. This is quite a time for this record to be coming out. So, before we jump into your track by track, I just want to know, yeah. based off of what you thought of Gwar, yeah, the first track you hear, does the sound match what you see in your head? Yes. So that's where my brain, my disappointment (laughs) of all things overly theatrical uh, mixed with the music, like, dissipates. Okay. Like, it matches. Okay. So, like, I think when you gave me this record, you were like, just go look at a picture of Guar while you listen to it just to get a feel. Uh so yeah, I've, I've looked at the cover art for this record, did a little Google search and scroll of guar pictures, and this yeah, this matched. I was like, oh fucking finally somebody did it right. And you I know, think it was necessary. I think 90s. if <laughs> I think if you would have sat back and listened to this as if it was just a couple of guys in a studio, yeah, it would it would have felt a w- way it would have felt a lot different. A lot oh, for different. sure. Like if I had gone into it with my normal music appreciation thinking cap on like Uh, thinking it's like whoa toto isn't toto the session musicians band isn't that all they are i have no idea i think so i think so yeah like imagining if this was toto writing these songs and performing these songs just in studio just a couple of been like what are we doing what (laughs) what what are we doing here yes but seeing these guys knowing what little I knew from, like, the Empire Records movie and apparently seeing them on a, a talk show once or twice, getting the feel for them in costume, looking at the pictures, and then hearing this through the earbuds, I was like, oh, yeah. No, this this is right. This feels okay. right. Okay, let's dive into it then. The opening track of Gore Scum Dogs of the Universe, released January 8th, 1990, Salamanizer. I wonder how much inspiration Corey Taylor took from Dave Brockie and Guar when it came to getting his musical career started. You'd have to wonder. I've always thought it. Because there is a lot of vocal inflections that Dave Brockie does that I thought I've heard on a Stone Sour record or a Slipknot record. I feel like Slipknot is the takes themselves too seriously version of Guar. Like, Slipknot is Gwar without comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And a little bit of like bro culture sprinkled on, maybe a, l- a little bit. Yeah, because I, I feel like as wild as some gar- Guar stuff is, as wild as they look, it it never feels like they're ever saying they're tough. It never oh, sounds no. It never sounds like they're talking about how badass they are. Even no. in a story, you're like, okay, this isn't. It, you're not talking <laughs> right. about yourselves favorably here. Yeah, and it's funny because when we go into these sometimes and I hear a band that sounds like another band, I usually gravitate towards the band I know. Mm-hmm. This, I feel like I'm always like, oh, I know this record came out years before, but I feel like they took it off of whoever. Mm-hmm. Like I would be saying that Guar bit off Slipknot somehow. But a switch flipped in me and I was like, no. But like I see the, the origination, of the origin of where cory taylor comes from my enjoyment of slipknot got taken down a notch by how much i enjoyed guar so guar is like uh, in comic books like when a character appears but it's not the actual character it's like a it's like a version of the character but not the character it's called a prototype appearance so Guar is almost like prototype slipknot like they showed up as a slipknot but a completely different version of them that isn't the same character. And then Slipknot appears. And is like, oh, that is Slipknot. Yeah. But it, it looks just like this other band, kind of. I love the sonics of this song right from rip. Like, right from the start, just that, that grimy, gritty, like thrash metal kind of mixed with punk uh sound. Loved it. Brocky's vocals are amazing and fun. The band obviously doesn't take itself too seriously. And I love the last little bit of vocals you get saying this deli tray is unacceptable (laughs) i was like that's the funniest shit the sounds on this record even even knowing this record came out early last week when i saw that it came out in 1990 i thought this record was like 96 it it, is 90 is very early for some of these sounds i hear to me at least yeah, I I don't think I knew the date cuz when you said 90 it took me by surprise. Uh but yeah, this sounds later for sure. Like there's some there's some definitive like punk riffs that sound like it's just third wave punk which wasn't until, like 97 yeah. 98. Like it's crazy. Like a little bit of hardcore uh yeah. mixed with punk. Yeah, it was it's fantastic. So then let's move on to the second track, Maggots. First, you know me and I love the the sound panning from ear to ear, yes. it being a fly, sounding like it is flying through my brain. You don't like it. It was a little unsettling, but I loved it. <laughs> okay. The, the, it's mentioned that this is like the first experience with sampling that Guar did. Okay. And the fact that they went that heavy with it, like it's the whole track. Like yeah. it's, it's on the whole thing. It's not just a piece. It's It's yeah. the whole time. When I was listening to this, I for real the entire song, the fly was buzzing through my brain from ear to ear, and it felt a bit unsettling, but in a good way. It makes the the track feel grosser, and it's supposed to feel gross. One hundred percent. It's all yeah. about maggots falling from the sky. Like that's the whole thing. Yeah, and <laughs> and bugs flying through your head. Uh, <laughs> This song makes me wonder how much inspiration the entirety of the death metal death scene came from Guar. Like I just yeah. see Guar influencing everything at this point. Honestly, I think that if Guar would have put out Scumdogs, maybe mm. another record and disappeared, yeah, they would be talked about as one right. of the like keystones of so many bands today. Yeah but i think because guar remained a band and put albums out and was just kept putting albums out and kept putting albums out and still around and still doing their wild stage shows that they kind of got diminished a bit because then people only talk about their stage shows people yeah. only talk about them spraying blood in the first five rows and their right. they're crazy i remember in it had to be 2006 ish there was a news story that they sacrificed a Paris Hilton doll on stage, <laughs> and like there was like outrage from somebody, but obviously it was somebody who didn't know who Guar was to begin with, right? So yeah. like Guar made news for things. If Guar would have disappeared and we would have looked back and been like, "Wow, look at what Guar did, and look how they looked, and look what they sounded like," I think you're right. It would be so much more talked about of yeah. their influence. Yeah this song is just so completely disgusting that it's funny Uh, (laughs) I love the female voice in the background that gives it like a super creepy haunting type vibe like she's just in the background going off crazy (gasps) I think uh, I think we need to call her by name, Slimestra Hyman. Slimestra yes. Hyman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, she does an amazing job with those vocals. Like it's it's almost like operatic mm-hmm. sounding. It, it's great, but yeah, it's super. What a super disgusting song. Yeah, it's but right. it but it fits. Like if I didn't know that they were so prop heavy and costume like costumed up, this definitely would have hit differently yeah but i'm definitely feeling like i'm on that disgusting humor vibe and that yeah and that's what they're doing and that's all it is yeah yeah it's yeah it's great so then moving on to track three sick of you this is so funny i love the lyric you eat white toast Is like on par of an insult with your face is gross. I I think that's so funny. Like, it's so like, like so lower level insult, but it's, it's also like you pick apart everything that this person does that you're just like, I'm so, I'm so sick of you. You know how you breathe? I hate it. Yeah. You (laughs) fucking eat white toast. (laughs) Who does that? (laughs) You're gross. You eat white toast? Ew. (laughs) Yeah. And then then I really love the bring it down section where he's like bring it down. I said bring it down and then it's just the bassist thank you. They're they're consistently working in the the entire concept record itself as well as their each individual character stories. They're still this band from kind of space at this point. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a later song, but I've never seen Guar live. I've right. always wanted to see Guar Live. The problem is there's so many other Guar songs that I don't care about. Yeah, you That's just don't problem. know. Like it would have to be a an anniversary tour of this record. Just play Scum Dogs front to back with the stage show and I'm in. But yeah. There's just so many other Guar songs. And I've tried, I've downloaded a lot of Guar albums, and I just none of them have ever touched me the way Scumdogs did. Oh yeah. I and I think that is kind of the the consensus. Okay. Scum Dogs is considered Both, their masterpiece. Uh, okay. So like, "Sick of You" is the song that's always played most. Like they always play it, and it is their encore usually. That's how big. Oh, that really? Song is. Yeah. Yeah. Sick of You is like their big one. Yeah this this song is I I love it, and then I love how Brocky's voice changes in that bring mm-hmm. that bring it down part. I'm sick. I'm so sick of you. Like it's <laughs> it's so funny. Like I I don't know. I just yeah I love everything about this track. It's it's great. I, I struggle with humor in music sometimes I, because, I definitely do'
1: like, because I'm not,
0: it's just it's yeah. usually not good and right even once you're past that, it usually doesn't age well right but I think when you have such a grasp and such a, an intent on what you're trying to do with a band mm-hmm. th- like you need to f- like they just went for it like yeah. everything about this is we're just gonna go. we're gonna yeah. do it and if it hits it hits if it doesn't well we tried we did our yeah. best. And then, then a song like this, like everybody can feel this. Yeah, everybody has that one person that you're like, Jesus, mm-hmm. Christ. But like with the humor, there's also it's 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 a very good track. Like it's a very yeah. good song in and of itself. You take away the grossness and the theatrics, it's still a yeah. very good song. Yeah, I love the groove. Who does the bass? His <laughs> beefcake, the mighty. The okay, his bass on this track in particular is just. I love, I love that bring it down part. Yeah, like that, yeah. that part is just so, it was unexpected, especially after they didn't bring it down after the first time he said, bring it down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I just love it. I love it. Next up, we have track four. Slotharama. <laughs> this shit is absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> there, there's that one downfall, the F word thrown in there. 1990. That's but it's, we it's, yeah, that's it. the thing. Like, they're, it's 1990 they're not a serious band yeah they're intentionally trying to like make people upset yeah and they're, it's they're still they're like killing people rock. on a track yeah yeah they're they're killing people on a track and it's like it's funny like mm-hmm. i I love the dude's voice sounds like he's a mix of new york and boston in the same at the same <laughs> time and i love the idea of it being like a reality show where like a game people, show yeah yeah it's yeah. so funny those one-liners are still in my head. Anytime I yeah. hear like hippie and soap or yeah. <laughs> red, red suspenders, like all of them, wh- whatever happened to Eddie Munster, I'm looking at I love the dude's accent, it's hilarious, and I love the line, because when your life is shit, you haven't got much to lose. It's so funny. Gave up sex, stop doing toot, now you can't wait. To give someone the boot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so great. It is just, I genuinely think that everybody involved, and I'll I'll just put it as in this album, Mm -hmm. they knew exactly what they were going to do and they executed it perfectly. Like they did exactly what was needed to make this successful and not just successful in 1990, but successful. This, this, to me, this holds up. This record holds up. I mean, I'm listening to it for the first time in 2022. Yeah. And... On my walks, I was cracking up. Yes. <laughs> like for, for two and a half miles, just <laughs> laughing. It's impossible to try to take this thing seriously. If you did, you would have the worst time. From the salamanizer, you had to realize what it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, listening you it, like, oh, yeah, this is so funny. Like, you can't end a song with this deli tray is unacceptable and <laughs> think it's serious. Wow. Imagine if somebody went into this. I should have tricked you. I should be like, "This is the most serious record you're ever going to (laughs) hear," and then just see if like you could forget about forget about George Harrison and all things uh, must pass. This is serious. (laughs) Guarr scum dogs of the universe is the most serious piece of artwork. (laughs) Yeah, John Lennon uh, wanted to be (laughs) Guarr. Oh man! So let's go on to the fifth track, "The Years Without Light." A uh, great follow-up to the Slaughterama. The guitar solo on this track is fantastic. I absolutely love the tempo shift at the end. Because I, I don't think a lot could follow up Slaughterama just because you're in that weird headspace. We killed everybody we could today. You do the same at home. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> and then on... Uh, Years Without Light, they mentioned something about people dying on TV or something like that. I loved how it tied into Slaughterama. Still, still in the world. Still yeah. you're still in the world. Yeah, you're still in that space. Yeah. And I, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. So then moving on to track six, King Queen. The cadence and tempo of lyrics during the verses is extremely entertaining. <laughs> Just the way he's... Going about singing the words, mm-hmm. like the way he enunciates, the tempo he's on, just riding the beat. I loved it. I love the whispered vocals on parts of the song. I'm not entirely sure Odorous is the queeniest being that there ever has been, though. Maybe in his universe. Maybe we in know. his world. Maybe in Maybe his that's world. That's true. Maybe he is. We don't know. <laughs> I think Dave Brocky was a true... I don't want to say he was like a musical mastermind, but I think anything that he wanted to do thematically, he could have done. Yeah. Because every, every track you're just like, wow. Like Dave Rocky brings it, does it, does exactly what is needed for it. Keeps you in it. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's funny when you talk about vocal range, you think of somebody more like Mariah Carey. Yes. Like she hits those super, super high notes, but Dave Rocky can make his voice do amazing things. Hey, you learn a lot in the Richmond Dairy. (laughs) I guess you do. One day you're playing with Death Piggy in the Richmond Dairy, and the next day you're king queen, you know? It just happens. (laughs) If you don't want me at my Death Piggy, you don't deserve me at my king queen. (laughs) Put it on a t-shirt today. I love it. So then the next song is Horror of Yig. If you really want me into something, you give me bagpipes and HP Lovecraft combined. You've got me 100%. I knew the bagpipes were going to snag. I knew it. Oh, yeah. There's not much to say about this track except for how much I absolutely love it. The groove is great. The effects on the vocals is great. It gives it that, like... It gives it, like, a monster... gives Dave a, a monster feeling, like an echo, a deep echo in the back of his throat type thing. Like, he's, you know, possessed. The bass and the guitar work is great. It's just a great, great song. I love it. Do you, okay? Side, side, sidebar here. Sure. Do you actually like reading H. B. Lovecraft? Though it's it's hard. It's dense. And I love. I love the idea of a lot of the stuff. Yeah. That's um. Where I'm at. I wish yeah. somebody would, like, you know how, like Cliff notes? Um, like no, you know how like Canterbury Tales by Chaucer yeah. was rewritten mm-hmm. and rewritten so you could fucking read it. So you like, can read it <laughs> right. I need somebody to go in to H.P. Lovecraft and rewrite it so I can enjoy it because I, I've never once have enjoyed it. No, I've I've read a couple. I've enjoyed it, but I have to be in like the proper headspace for it. When one whole page is two sentences, I can't do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's a, he's, he's a, like a known horrible human being, right? Is he? I don't I'm know anything about sure. him or like his personal life at all. Well, wasn't it a big thing like that show Lovecraft Country? Wasn't it a big deal because the main character was black and H.P. Lovecraft was like very racist. Like a oh, very right? known I, racist. I got no to look idea. it up so I can know if I have to cut this out or not. Sure. H.P. Lovecraft was one of the most influential writers of the 20th century. He was also one of the most racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, No. Uh hundred twenty five years after his birth, the author known for his eerie tales and his racist beliefs. So he's known yeah, for his racist, he's beliefs. known for it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, yeah. I yeah. Apparently he was horribly racist. Oh, I'm a I'm a fan of his universe, not yeah. his personal life. Well, here we go. It's like the same thing. Like, well, I guess it's not quite the same thing. But, you know, how I wanted somebody to come in and, you know, redo all R. Kelly songs. Yeah, well, yeah, let's come in and rewrite all of H.P. Lovecraft so it's enjoyable and not from a racist, <laughs> right? I don't feel like reading up on H.P. Lovecraft's racism right now, but I'll get back. Yeah, to that yeah, right. yeah at least I don't to cut it out. At least I didn't say he was racist and he isn't, right? right. <laughs> so, moving on past Horror of Yig to yeah. track eight Vlad the Impaler, right after a Yig song, <laughs> yes. <laughs> amazing uh some of this stuff is so ridiculously funny you can't help but love it it's so great that i don't even mind the theatrics of the band I like this it. like it's just it's not ghost yes. <laughs> it's not kiss yes. yeah. yeah like it's I, not, i'm trying to pull another one that looked like how Motograder grader to a point don't know who I, that is. I thought Motograder grader was going to sound a lot different than they looked they did not sound the way i thought they did mud yeah. vein at times slipknot now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like i'm glad but upset with myself that i never got into guar before this i'm not cuz this is going to be a great episode like that's what i'm saying like i'm i'm glad that i wasn't because you gave it to me and i i love it so this record 33 years it was around and you didn't know about it and i didn't know about it it's it's upsetting and amazing at the same time, but do you think there was a time in your life where you were more against the theatrics, like where you were, where you were into more serious music, where you wouldn't have gotten down with this? I don't know. You can say that about my life. You, you'd have to look at it more as: is there a time where you enjoyed funny stuff more than serious stuff? Is there a time where you liked something that was funny, or you've always just been a just a mad piece of shit? <laughs> no, this, this would have fit in well when I was in my teenage years. Like, yeah. when I loved Bloodhound Gang. Even Bloodhound Gang, I don't think, does... Bloodhound Gang's strictly comedy, in my head. Yeah. Like, there's two levels. Guar is a comedy band that plays really good songs. Yeah. Bloodhound Gang is a comedy band that plays comedy songs, if that makes sense. Right, no, I get you, but I'm saying, like, if... if it I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Right around the same time, yeah. yeah. Or even, like, Blink-182 when they came out with Dude Ranch. With just the funny stuff. yeah. yeah early on. You know how heavy this would have sounded compared to Blink 182. Yeah, I know. That's that's the only thing like I don't know if I'd well no because I was into heavy stuff back then too. So maybe I could have enjoyed it then, but then like that's such a small window because I don't even know that I like Bloodhound Gang anymore. Yeah, that's a weird one for me too. Even like I don't know if I ever liked a full album. I definitely like listened to the, the hits with my friends. Let's put it this way. I wasn't listening to Bloodhound Gang alone. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, I did, and it was weird. <laughs> just you sitting at home alone in a room with Bloodhound gang playing, just sitting there staring at a wall is one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever thought of. <laughs> I mean, it track. Me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Get hooded <laughs> now! Although, <laughs> I, loved, I loved Tom Green's music. And that is even weirder. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it. Tom Green's humor hit me, man. I love Tom yeah. Green's humor. I was a fan of how... And I'm going to be honest. Then there was a time where I got too serious. I was like, wow, that's cringy. I've come yeah. 360. I'm the whole way back around. 180, oh, yeah. 180 would be back around. 360 would be back to hating it. I'm 180 back around to... I think Tom Green is one of the funniest men on the planet. Well, like, he no, that's where you started. So you would be bones. You started... started. Yeah, yeah then he did 180, like and yeah. then yeah, complete 360. You're right. Yeah, we figured out uh, degrees here. It's fine. We're mad. I've massive. played. I've played 1080 snowboarding on the N64. <laughs> I know what that is. I know what Tony Hawk doing a 900 is. He wasn't the first one though. He was just the first one that they promoted, which is crazy. I watched a whole documentary on it. It was there was another dude that did the 900, and then Tony Hawk did it like two weeks later. And oh was, man was called, like, the most... The, he did it! He did the 900! Holy shit! <laughs> it's yep. never been done! Never rem- been done! I remember when that happened. I watched it. I remember watching it live. X Games, Maybe. Yeah. All right, now let's get off the X Games and into the Guar <laughs> games. Yeah. Moving on to Track 9, Black and Huge. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know how to talk about this one. I, d- I, don't, I don't either. Like, I just... <laughs> wow was about it. The opening riffs are pretty great, but th- this is... An eye roll of a song. Yeah. And it's it has ninety ninety written all over it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Straight from the coin drops at the beginning of the song. Yeah. Yeah. I could see, like, Jerry Seinfeld's friends showing this to him. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. We can just breeze yeah. past it to yeah, we can do that. track 10, Love Surgery. I love the laugh. The laugh is throughout the record. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it starts off the record. Yeah. And it just keeps going. But I like every time I hear it, I love it. That's awesome. Because um, if you hated it, it'd be a different situation. Yeah. It would keep putting you in a bad mood. Yeah. This works only because he's supposed to be like an alien, right? Like they're supposed to be aliens or something. It works so well. And then <laughs> like is that a clarinet solo? Yeah, who knows what it is. <laughs> in the middle of the song. Because it reminds me of Ferris Bueller's day off. Like at the beginning of the movie when he's he his parents leave after he fakes him fakes that he's sick. And then he's sitting in there in his room and he has the hat on and he starts playing the clarinet terribly. And he's like, never had a lesson. And then starts going back to it. It sounds exactly like that. It's fantastic. It, it could be a space instrument for all we know. It's a space, right. instrument. who knows what it is, but it, it sounds just like that. And I, I started cracking up. It's hilarious. And it's fantastic. I'm glad you got into this so much. Cause it, it could have went both ways. It could have went the other way easily. Well, you know, we've, Said it before, we're we're being completely open to every record that we give each other. And having the minuscule experience I've had previously with Guar, I knew the look I was dealing with. And after the first track, I got a taste of the humor that I was dealing with and pairing it with the visual. And it just, the humor works. Once you know that it's humorous, You get in that headspace and it just, it's so funny. And I think the track list is put together perfect for it too. Cause like oh, Salamanizer, yeah. if you get through Salamanizer and you think this is still a serious record, like we said, yeah, you're, you're off. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So let's move on to track 11, kind of the origin story of Guar. Yeah. God. That's what I kind of wrote down. It's like the origin backstory for the band. And I love it. I really like this song. It's outrageous and funny and it's genius. I think it's a bold move to put their origin story at track eleven, but if you open this track, if you open this record up with Death Pod, it's a different record. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't like it as much. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love it. Uh, it's super heavy. This is a stinking mudball planet. Also, saying this is a heavy record, it is a heavy record by any terms. Oh yeah. Normally, normally I would say this is a heavy record by 1990s terms, but this is still a pretty heavy record today. It really is. You don't even have to. That was the heaviest clarinet solo I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Those are the heaviest bagpipes in yig that I've ever heard. So moving on to track 12. Excuse me, <laughs> the executioner. It's sextilent. Uh, it's, it's unreal. It's so funny. Um I could not see Emily getting into this song at all. I was just going to ask if you you and the family sat around and gave this a once over. I will let Lucas listen to this when he's like 16. <laughs> okay. him a few years and then he'll find the humor in it. But this is so funny. The chorus in this thing is hilarious. It's excellent. dun executioner. <laughs> it's like choral music. It's great. So, moving on to the track, the album closer, Cool Place to Park. It doesn't really feel like it fits. Because the they all switch instruments and things, as you as you could tell when I mentioned. The yeah, you mentioned, yeah, the, you said it, except for on Cool Place to Park. Like, on Cool Place to Park, Dave Brockie plays bass, Beefcake the Mighty does lead vocals. Yeah, I was going to say, the vocals sound different. Yeah, it's Beefcake the Mighty doing... I don't mind the song at all. It just doesn't feel like it fits. I'm glad this was the closer, though, because I don't know how else you close a record like this. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And then this track doesn't fit anywhere else in the record. No. It looks like they put this record out under a master label as well as Metal Blade. Okay. And on the master label, Cool Plates to Park and Years Without Light aren't on it. Oh, okay. So this would end with Sexecutioner. But yeah, that would be so weird. Uh it looks like the original 1990 Metal Blade release of the album Cool Place to Park was only a CD track. Like it was oh, it wasn't okay. on the it wasn't on the record and well in 1990 there were no downloads, but yeah. so it wasn't on it wasn't on the record or the tape, I guess. Wow. But I I like it. There's some wicked vocals in it that they're not Guar. Like no. they sound they sound more like metal was at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I have a soft spot for those kind of vocals. I really yeah. do. <laughs> the vocals do sound completely different, obviously, because it's from a different person, and mm-hmm. the song doesn't fit really, but it's still it's still a really good song. But it ends it, and but, yeah. I don't I don't know how else we would get out of it. Like <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. said. I really I don't, don't know either. how you end this record any other way. Like I really love the idea of them performing the record front to back, and then right after its executioner, everybody to like Drops their instruments, does a quick fire drill, grabs everybody else's instruments, and then starts starts a non cool place to park. So, what's your top three here? My number three is Love Surgery. Okay, I, I didn't <laughs> see that coming. Yeah, no, I was in a different different headspace when listening to this record. It's so funny when I listened to this record before, like when I was really into this record. It was <laughs> when my music ADD was heavy. Oh yeah, this like Slaughterama I could get through.
1: Because oh sure it was
0: it was so funny. Yeah. But if I'm being 100% honest, I don't know if I ever listened to Love Surgery, Death Dude. Pod, Horror of Yig. Like I probably if I if I listened to them at all, I probably yeah. made it a minute in and she oh, Okay. Gotcha. I probably only was really into three quarters of this record, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but it was nice to hear more, more tracks from that same vibe that I loved. It was, it was cool listening back this week to all this. Sure. Yeah. My number three would probably be, man, this is tough. It's tough for me. Fuck it. Executioner. Yeah. <laughs> Sexecutioner is my three. So what's your two? Uh, my number two is sick of you. Sick of you is my number one. I can't, yeah. I can't back, back off of that. Yeah, and then what's your number one, then? My number one horror of Yig. Come on now, <laughs> that thing it. is just a brilliant piece of art. I love it so much. The bagpipes, bro. The bagpipes were amazing. My number one is Price Salamanizer. Okay, but honorable mention to Maggots and honorable mention to Slaughterama. But it's hard to put that as a song. Yeah, because it's kind of it's kind of a, just a musical skit. Yeah, it really is, but it fits. It fit, Yeah, it just, fit, like, it's so good. So before I ask you a question, quick cleanup here. Sure. In March of 2014, GWAR's only remaining original member and founder, Dave Brockie, was found dead by a roommate. Cause of death, heroin overdose at age yeah. 15. Yeah, I did know that. So th- they they still exist, which, if there's ever been a band that I think it works for, because they've always kind of had a rotating people. yeah. Like it's it works. Although I believe that two of the people from this record are still in the band. Oh, okay, that's cool. So like, none of the people who were on Hello and created the band are on it. But the two guys are. There's still two long running members in it. Do you know who it is? I believe it's Beefcake and Ballsack. Okay, I believe. Is that the bassist, the rhythm guitar, oh, okay. and the bassist? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So then after. After Scum Dogs of the Universe, Guar went on to release 13 more studio records. Oh my gosh. Two live albums, two compilation albums, and two EPs. That's awesome. So Guar is, they're out there. Yeah. I mean, if you ever want to try to, also, by the way, Scumdogs is 51 minutes, 55 seconds, and it doesn't really feel like it. It doesn't feel like it at all. The only way I realized how long it was is based off of how long I was walking listening yeah. to listening <laughs> yes. to it yeah and it do, it doesn't feel like it but if you ever want to bite the bullet and we can try to draft Guar maybe oh <laughs> yeah. man but i know it would be a battle for scum dogs that would be whoever's number 1 pick i'm sure like i, I mean, i'll i actually do want to go and listen to more guar now i invite you uh, to and yeah. i invite you to report back on your findings sure <laughs> There's another band similar to guar that okay maybe they're not even similar to guar, but in my head, they are, their name is Lordy L O R D I. Okay. They have a similar look that, I don't think they're as comedic, but
1: All right.
0: it's a similar sound to me that I, I got into Lordy for a while too, but if I've tried a lot of comedic, records. I don't know how that'll work.
1: Yeah. like that, that's, that's, that's
0: fair. The biggest part of, guar that i dove into that i that i sunk my teeth into was the humor of it if i didn't go in knowing it was humorous i would have looked at it completely differently and i probably would groan the hell out of it i'll ask you now then sure scott yeah guar scum dogs the universe yes thrown it own it phone it or groan it it's going to be here on friday yeah yeah, did you get like the 30th anniversary printing? Yes. Yeah i I looked up uh, Discogs 2020 beat. printing. Sure, I think so because I think that's the one I got too. Yeah, the the cover looks like that. What what color variant did you get? Uh, I think it's red. Yes, because they had another one that came out that's gray marble. Oh, I guess you got the. No, oh, no, mine's clear. Oh, you got clear. Mine is red. It's it's coming in red. I think I ordered this when it dropped, and I think I was maybe I had just ordered a bunch of red records. <laughs> sure I was like I don't need it. I don't need another red one yeah I wanted one you know me I, I love having ones match the color of the cover art in some way to be uh, clear cool, still matches though yeah no that's right but looking it up the original pressings were pretty expensive uh, and then they had just a gang of 30th anniversary ones so yeah I picked up the one that's a uh, red transparent with black swirl in it is it from Slave Pit Records? Yep. Slave Pit Records. Yeah. I think it's their only release, by the way. Like I, okay. well, at least it's their first release, like SP001. Yep. But yeah, it's it's coming on Friday. And as far as bands that wear masks uh and face paint stuff, it's a throne. I'm I'm so doing I'm it. Good. I love that. I love that. And please listen to more Guar report back. I'm going to. Uh I just have to continue to be in the right headspace. Yes. But Understood. this was this was fun. I might stop after after Brocky dies. Yeah. So that would be Battle Maximus. Battle Maximus. Yeah, that might be where I stop. We'll see though, because you know my feelings about bands switching up vocalists, but they even did it in this record. So yeah. I don't know. I, I'll I might give it a shot. See how they how they are with the new vocalist, whoever that is. Uh, I think it's just. Um, what's his name? Takes over his lead vocals. Oh no, they do get a new vocalist. Mike Bishop. Yeah, that's Beefcake. the <laughs> Berserker. Oh well, on here his name is Beefcake the Mighty Slash Blothar. So he just changes characters. Oh, because okay. Beefcake Oh also the drummer has been with them since nineteen ninety. Jizmac Degusha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Balsack Jaws of Death. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, report back. Let me yeah. know. But that this, this is not the only thing you listen to, Scott. What's your record of the week? Oh, uh, <laughs> my record of the week is almost completely on the opposite side of the spectrum. My record of the week is The Decemberists' I'll Be Your Girl. We started watching the show Manifest on Netflix. <laughs> okay. And in the first episode, there was this song, which is actually the opener to this record. And I really, really liked it. And I don't know if I like this whole record, but... It was it was a different vibe from Guar, <laughs> so yeah, I think most things are. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was enjoyable enough. It was entertaining enough, and I didn't really have anything else I really wanted to listen to. I was just Guar all week. Solid. I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of that kind of. I'm I'm a fan of that kind of situation. Yeah. My record of the week. You you listen to one track of it because I sent you a track of it. It is by the band A Lot Like Birds, and it is the album No Place. Okay. And that's the the track I sent you. sounded like kind of like Law Dispute, but oh yeah, 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 like not like Law Dispute. It right. Somebody just somebody in comments on a YouTube video described them as Circus Survive if they wrote a song with balls, which is kind of (laughs) kind of very. I kind of agree with it, real heavy. But this record was phenomenal. I I loved this record. It blew blew my socks off. And there was some other stuff that I listened to this week that I really liked. But this one was just at another level for me. I was yeah, just like, wow, this is. That song was, I think I I think I think said it's way too real or something to you like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one hit hard. I, th- I, th- I immediately, it's in my watch list. Like, I'm trying to buy it. I'm trying to get the vinyl. Like, right. I, I, I love this record. And I think it, it came on, like, 07, 08, maybe. Oh, so, right. like, it's not new. It's not new at all. Right, yeah. But big fan of it. Big fan of it. Yeah, that song was really, really good. So, Scott, all that's left is for you to tell me what I'm listening to for next week. What we're both listening to for next yeah. week. Yeah. Well, you know that throughout the week I've had a hard time coming up with something to give to you just because I, I was lost. But looking throughout the list and looking up some background on some of these artists, I think I came to a conclusion. We're going to go with the record Shape and Destroy by Rustin Kelly. Okay. I I have no clue. Yeah. What this is. Keep it that way. Like don't look up anything about him. I usually don't. Okay. I usually don't. Because there's there's a couple facts that's- about him that I think will surprise you. Well, that's why I come in here and I sound like an idiot where I'm like they sound like just they sound like old beat up dudes from Brooklyn and you're like, "Well, they're 13 from Australia." So <laughs> 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 that's just proof that i come in here blind i don't i don't look right. up. yeah i mean as you know on episodes where we're supposed to do research i, I usually do. pawn it off if i have to if yeah I can. and i love it i love doing the I, research. I only do research when it's what it's my album to give you it's the only right. time I do research yeah so yeah rust and kelly it's definitely not guar yeah. oh, it's a new record it was 2020 when it came out wow newer yeah yeah yeah. All right. Well, GWAR, of the universe. It was an own, a definite own. And throne. Uh, it's thrown. It was, um, um, it's a throne. All right. Own yeah. throne. Like I said, for, uh, for, for masked artists. Yeah. Theatrical. <laughs> I, like I like the caveat. I like yeah. the caveat. I'm a fan. We have to, we have to do it because we'd never get a throne either way, but Agreed. yeah, no, I love this man for theatrical humor. Bands. You, you can't do better. I can't argue with that. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you're going to go one and done like I did. So please report back on the GWAR lesson experience. Sure. Follow us on Twitter at pod. Follow us on Instagram at pod. Join the Facebook group. Link will be a show notes. Send us an email at areyoulistening.pod at gmail.com. Listen to all the Joy Road Media shows. Support Joy Road Media Network. Scott, thank you for the episode. Thank you for the friendship. Thank, thank you for the you. podcast. Thank you. It's great. Listeners, thank you for have. listening. Of course. Everybody, thank you for listening. And the real question remains. (laughs) Are you listening? Are you listening? John Lennon uh, wanted to be Guar. This deli tray is unacceptable. The bagpipes, bro. The bagpipes were amazing. That was the heaviest clarinet solo I've ever heard in my entire life. (laughs) Go! <laughs>